We're back. We're back. Happy holidays, Happy everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. What day of Hanukkah is it, Steve? Uh, <laughs> crazy nights. Baby. I know. it's So for <laughs> us, we have we have the third night, which is the night of tzedakah, and that night, it's the night of giving in, in Hebrew. Uh, so we always give a, give one gift to charity. So that night's already passed. It's passed. So yeah. we're past day three. We're past day. All right. So as you guys know, uh, we're on winter break right now. Steve and I are from D.C., as we talk about all the time. But there's still basketball going on. There's a lot of big news going on. So we thought we'd jump in and throw another pod together. But since Bennett, our man, rest in peace, is all the way in Michigan. Rest in peace, and that the MCAT. Cold, yeah, <laughs> the MCAT studying for that. Uh, if you want to send him good luck, you know where to tweet it. Crazy Times, K-R-A-Z-I-E underscore Times. Tweet him out. But since Bennett's in Michigan, we thought we'd get a nice guest host and talk about what's going on. So welcome to... Big brother John Remedios, the the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who turned us on to Ball's Life, to mm-hmm. podcasts, and to House NBA of fights. John, say what's up to the fans. <laughs> what's going on, guys? How you doing? Oh, it's great. This is great. You guys have such a nice neighborhood, I got to say. Normally, like, we do all of our podcasts in the library, and so I'm just kind of trudging in there, but uh, Jesse's, Jesse and John's neighborhood is just lit up with, uh, with Christmas lights. <laughs> we're doing it right next so, to the Christmas tree. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so festive. festive. And we're yeah. actually drinking beers this time. We promised. Yeah. We promised you guys. We're all 21. John is older than us, so no need to worry I'm about old. that. I'm getting old these days. All right, so as we said, there's a lot going on right now. Big thing. Let's start with it. The bad news. Grayson Allen. Yeah. I don't even have a question. I just his name, reactions, anybody. Let's get let's I want to throw this over to our guest host first because I I need I feel like I need a minute before yeah. we, we dive right That's into fair. this. That's fair. So I, I'm I have a couple of different takes on it. I think overall, uh, overall I'm not I'm not entirely pleased. I think it's a little bit blown out of proportion because we are Duke, because he is Grayson Allen. Um, he is the the face of Duke right now. Um, and Duke basketball in general, but you know, I'm I'm not entirely pleased. I also I do think it is a little bit out of proportion. Um, my my take on him personally right now is I think you know, if you're gonna be a thug, be a thug. I, mm-hmm. I the tripping really doesn't bother me as a basketball player, especially growing up. If you're, there's always dirty players. I'm always the guy like I don't mind a Matt Barnes on your team. I don't right. mind the guy that's gonna get in your face, is gonna throw an elbow, is gonna talk trash. I think that's really good I, for a basketball. I think we team. need yeah. that too. Yeah, I, our I, team is not necessarily the most intimidating. Definitely, definitely. I think that's good for a basketball team. But if you're gonna if you're gonna throw an elbow, if you're gonna trip somebody, even you know, own up to it. Own up yeah. to it. The tripping itself didn't bother me. Um, and, and the two trips last year definitely didn't bother me. I think this one was a little bit different. It, it seemed a little bit. I don't know. This one seemed a little bit different than the last two, but it was the bench reaction that bothered me the most. And Absolutely. I think that yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, we're all fans of the program. We're all fans of Grayson. I mean, he's a key player. We need him. But we're, we're going to keep it real on crazy times and say, dude, you can't go to the bench and throw a tantrum like you're the victim when you kick the kid to the ground. So right. I'm happy Coach, Coach is going to teach him a lesson, and it's about time. And early in our first episode of the season, Steve was talking about uh, how the season is a story, and I pose the question of what's going to happen that's going to make our team tougher. What's going to happen? And I think this is this is it. this is that moment for us. Our best player, preseason player of the year, national player of the year, goes down, gets kicked out of the season, or get, gets uh, is off the team for a few games. So Harry Giles is going to get more minutes. Marquise Bolden's is going to get more minutes. They're going to get more confident, and he's going to come back in, and we're going to be better than ever. So yeah. it's it's tough and it's sad and it's sad for him, but. 
maybe this is what. And and for the fan base, right? Like I I, I heard too much of oh, do you have your plane tickets booked to Phoenix yet for the Final Four? Oh, we're gonna be so good. We're gonna not lose a game. We're gonna sail through everything. Then the injuries make that like kind of clear that okay, like there's some development that has to take place. But now it's really clear that like hey, you you really have to you know, join together as a team if you want to win a national championship. And, and especially, you know, Coach K thrives in these situations. Absolutely. In the, in the national championship year when we had a really bad week, um, when Rashid got kicked off the team, um, we had lost just to lost Notre to Notre Dame. Um, and I, we had lost a couple games before that, too. And we went into UVA, and everybody's thinking, you know, if we lose this game, the season's done. We won't be able to recover from that. And Coach really was able to bond those guys together. Um, and that was really the turning point of the season. We beat UVA that year. Yeah. Or that game. That's a great we beat game. UVA. And, then, and, every, yeah, and everybody turned around and it was great. So We've talked about that game a lot. And I, I think it's funny that like we are talking about this story and this narrative and we're winning games. Like we haven't lost yet. Especially, and, yeah. like we and Grayson's still on the team. It's not like Rashid Suleiman where it's this dramatic thing. Like we know Grayson will be back in a few games. But with the injuries and everything that's happened, it feels like so much has happened in the season and it's still early on. And yeah. the, the Grayson's so competitive too, and he's a really good kid. And I, I just think his, his competitive edge will he'll be able to bounce back from this and he's gonna go off. Like he had a bad game a couple games ago, he goes into UNLV and he's dunking over everybody. Right. So he I, has, I don't he has he'll been rebound. Let's, we let's did podcasts here. since that dunk. That dunk was sick. Yeah. Grayson, <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Just oh. flying through the lane. Yeah. No, and I think it's it's definitely like we, we don't even remember that all of those things that you just talked about where uh, everybody says, oh, we won the national championship. Like, that kind of cures our memory. Like, that was a tough season. That was your senior year, our sophomore year, and we last won the national championship. You had two guys transferring. You had a couple of bad losses. Um, you know, there's always turmoil, and there's always things you have to overcome if you want to make it to the top of the mountain. It's, so It's what champions are made of. Yeah, and this is – it's a very – the media deals in tropes, right? Like, everybody wants to jump on a story and say, like, hey, there's a new, you know, white kid at Duke who we should all hate. Definitely. We have the new Christian Leitner. We have the new J.J. Redick. But that's not the reality of this team. Grayson is not uh, – He's he, not that guy. No, absolutely he's not. That not. If, you, if you look back to the highlights of Leitner, Leitner was stomping on people's chest. He was throwing people into the stands. Grayson's not that guy. He's a nice kid, and, he, and he's been cast the villain in the national media. And, and sometimes he's fitting into that role, but that's really not him. So Leitner he'll, be, and JJ he'll bounce too. back. Leitner and JJ, too, the prototypical kind of Duke villains who Grayson is always compared to, they would taunt the crowds and, like, get people riled up. But Grayson does not want he's that so at all. Quiet. He's no. so quiet. He, he's yeah. a good kid. He's a good well, kid. I would kind of wish it, again, like, it'd be kind of cool, though. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. I love the Duke villain, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that's in his persona, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I definitely think that's more, I mean, this is a hot take, but that's a little bit more Luke Kennard, you know? Hot he's take. a little bit more. <laughs> he's a little bit more knocked down a three and kind of, I'll be interested to see conference play. Oh, Can so, you see him at UVA, yeah, so, you know, looking down the crowd or something? Speaking of which, uh... So when we played Florida a few weeks ago, Luke was going off. I think he had another, like, 25, 30-point game game, um, in New York City, right, Mm -hmm. and at the Garden. And at one point, he makes a corner three and apparently turns to the bench and goes, like, you guys can't guard me because he's going off. And I didn't see it, but our RA, Will, uh, Steve and I's old RA, He's this little nerdy dude from Tennessee. He's the man. He He's takes the man, care bro. of I us. Love He's Will. a grad usher, but very nice guy. But he is a huge Tennessee fan and hates Florida. So I saw him the day after that happened. He's like, hey, hey, Jesse. I was like, hey, Will, what's up? He's like, did you see that game last night? And he was, I was like, yeah, I saw the game. Of course, man. He's like, did you see Luke Kennard? I love Luke Kennard. I was like, you didn't love him before? Like, what's wrong? He was like, no, but now I really love him. He turned to the bench and said, 
you y'all can't guard me, y'all can't guard me. So like, Luke really is kind of that guy. Like, if that's true, according to Will the RA. Yeah, but. I, I like our sourcing. First yeah. of all. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think there are way more outgoing guys on this team. I think we know that from from as line monitors, given how close we are, and we're not that close, right? Mm-hmm. We can tell that that there are certain personalities. Even Frank Jackson. Maybe. Frank's more that way. Even Jason. The, I mean, this he's team, really the last This guy. team, more than a lot of past teams, has been willing to mix it up with, with the opposing teams. I think it reminds me a lot of the 2015 team with how close these guys are. Mm-hmm. And, and you could see that chemistry on the floor. But they are willing to get in other teams' faces. They are willing to talk trash. And that's part of the game. It's a, it's a mental part of the game, and yeah. you know you think about doing a, well with it. You think about Brandon Ingram is just so quiet; he's just gonna go on the court and yeah. get like twenty five. That's yeah. fine, but like we really have guys that are gonna Matt get Jones, very quiet guys. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but but these guys have been they've been competitive, they've been in each other's faces, they've been in opposing teams' faces, and it's a good sign. I'm liking everything I'm seeing from them. Um, sometimes it, it goes a little too far, a lot of the tripping incident, but you know that's basketball. Yeah. It's basketball. We'll bounce back. We're fine. Yeah. So I mean, we're gonna be fine. I mean, I don't. I don't like. We don't have to beat us to death. Like it's. It's gonna yeah. be good. It's an unfortunate situation. Uh, Coach K being being who he is got the benefit of the doubt, and I think we should be more interested in the basketball here. Here. In yeah. The Crazy so, Times podcast. That's a great point. Let's set the example. So for we did the Grayson thing. We did. We know we only won by ten coming out of finals week. Like they they took finals too. Their students too. Chase They're actually, tired. Chase said to me he was worried about one of his finals, and I bet it was getting it. He had to study, know? man. I he saw those guys in the well. library at midnight, too, on <laughs> Saturday night, Friday night. Like, they're in there studying. Do so you think they went sense. to midnight breakfast? Uh, I don't know. Who did mm-hmm. midnight? Was there a t-shirt this year? I didn't see any t-shirts. I didn't around. see any t-shirts uh, either. I don't know if there East was. Campus Council, get on your, uh, yeah. your midnight Still breakfast game. But, so, mine. here, really the value of having John on this podcast is we can talk a little more basketball than usual, not just like the fan stuff. Why is John that, John lives and breathes basketball more than anybody I know. Uh, again, we are brothers. And when uh, we were growing up, he was just playing basketball all year round. And like all his friends would make fun of me, like, why aren't you working out? I was like, I, I'm going to go home and watch TV with my mom. I don't really care that much. But <laughs> And he was running Superman Sounds like this big hill. It's not that you me. weren't working out. It's because you were going to go home and watch TV yeah, with your mom. <laughs> we had a show every night. That was big. <laughs> But anyways, so we could talk a little basketball. So the, what we're going to do for the rest of this podcast, we're going to do the ACC preview. We know we did the season preview at the beginning of, of the year, but now we're, gonna talk, we're getting into ACC play. We know a little bit more about the team, about the players, and we can see what the other teams in the ACC, how they're looking. So let's break that down. So what I want to do, I was thinking, John can give us what his predictions for the top five in the ACC, and Steve and I can, can question that a little bit and riff off that. What do you think? I think it's good. Yeah, let's go. Sounds good. All right. You ready? John, the floor is yours. Top five. <sighs> this is tough. This is tough. So I, I've been going back and forth with number one, um, and I hate to say it, but I think Carolina is going to finish first in the regular season this year. Not us? Not us. Hot take alert. Hot take. All right. Wow. And, and it's not because – I don't think Carolina is a better team than us. I'll say that. I think Carolina is a more uh, a more experienced team. Um, they're a more complete team at the current juncture. Um, but I don't. I don't think they're a better team at their best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me start with that. I do, they have a lot of uh, a lot of experience, especially on their front line. They have two guys up front that can really, really play. Yeah, uh, and Kennedy it, Meeks and Isaiah. Kennedy Hicks. Meeks looks really good. Yeah. I don't know if he looks as good as uh, Bryce Johnson did last year as dominant, but to them together, their front court. Well, well the thing with Carolina is this year, I, they lost their two best players, but they're they're to me they seem better. Um, they're a more balanced team. Um, Joel Berry up front. 
They brought back Nate Britt, who's a really good player from the D.C. area as yep. well. We've been, I've been watching him for years. Joel he's, Barry looks fantastic. He, he's he a great player. He player of the year. Great player. Candidate, for despite sure. the And he's a quarterback. He's a really, yeah. like, he mar- you know, he's the marshal of that team. Uh, really, they run a really tight offense there. Justin Jackson is back. Theo Pinson is oh, still there. Justin Jackson. I watched them so, play Monmouth last night. The guy is a beast. Yeah, they've he's, they've got guys that can Monmouth, really really big go. Game for the Brenner family. It is. Yeah, my dad's from Monmouth County, New Jersey. Is he? So yeah, we uh, we we had a, we sat down and he he's been traveling a little bit, so it was nice to, yeah. to hang out with him. And I, I actually think it it brought up an interesting thing that I never really think about with them is that. They're able to just run teams out of the out of the Dean Dome because it's a twenty one thousand seat stadium, and mm-hmm. that gives them such an advantage in conference play. Like people show up to Duke, and no. it's a big game, but you're playing in like a you're playing in a nine thousand seat gym, right? You can like it's a big environment, but just to come in and see like this NBA sized arena for for a team like Monmouth. No, or, a few weeks back, Roy Williams did say that after after they played Indiana at Indiana, he said, "I wish I could play in a game like that." Sure. So he, he called out his fans a little bit, so sure. I don't know if I completely agree. But all right, anyways, John, go on. So UNC won. So I, I think UNC's won. I think we'll finish two. Um, I, I think it's going to take us a little while to get put together. I mean, we have guys. We're still putting our team together. Yeah. Um, so Giles is just coming back. Tatum's kind of still adjusting to the offense. He's putting up great numbers, and he's playing great. Right. Um, but it's, it's still an adjustment for everybody. Um, and we now, don't know how long Grayson's going to be gone. We don't know how long Grayson's going to be gone. I only expect probably one or two games. Um, I'd be I'd be very very surprised if it's more than three, but I mean it's going to be an adjusting because once Giles gets better, now Grayson's back. And what are so, we expecting from from Giles? Because what I've seen in the past two games, I mean he's only gotten sparring minutes, but he's looked kind of nervous, which is expected. With, but. with him, you have to remember that he hasn't played basketball in almost two years now, um, and so it's not even just the physical aspect; it's the mental aspect of coming back to the game. So right. it, it's not even just adjusting to basketball; it's now adjusting to college basketball and the speed of that game. Um, so there's a lot of different stuff that he's really trying to figure out mentally, especially. Right, and you're um, dealing with the classic thing with an at- when you're an athlete of coming back from an injury. You know, you have this body part that's yeah. not doing exactly what you. But where do we see him? Where do we see him fitting in? Oh, now? I, you know, I, I, I've been going back and forth with it, what I think what would be most effective for him and what would be most effective for the team. What I'd almost love to see at first is him playing a six-man role, um, somewhat like what James Harden used to do with the Thunder, where mm-hmm. he'd come in and just take over the game in that sense. So you have. Because the, the starting five right now is looking really good, and it's a very fluid offense. And Emil is dominant. He's then, an All-American first team You can't right take Emil off the floor right now. So if you can get Giles healthy and coming in where he can play against second units, get comfortable, and then by the end of the year, you work him into the starting lineup, and then you figure out your offense then. Because you remember with the national championship, national championship team again, Justice started at the three early in the year, then slid down to the four, and that's when we really took off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with Giles, I think you, you bring him off the bench for now. You keep him in that six-man role. You give him the ball a lot so he can really get comfortable, and then we're good to go. Right. So, so is he playing the four like Justice or the five? Because I, I think the four to Justice comparison makes more sense for uh, Jason, right? I agree with that. No, I agree with that. I just mean in terms of working in the offense later in the uh, year. So okay. figuring out your, your final rotation late isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, gotcha. no, that's a, I mean, there's a lot of evidence to show that a key roster change. I mean, we can look back to beyond 2015, 2010, uh, when John Shire started bringing up the ball and running the offense. In 2001, when Chris Duhon started over Nate James. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a pretty common thing that happens with Duke basketball teams is these late changes. Co- that Coach, Coach has made. never set in his five. He's never set in his five. No. He's always wanted to rotate. He's always wanted to make adjustments. That's why he's the greatest. Yeah. The GOAT. All right, cool. Who else? All right, three. Three right now. Uh, I like UVA. 
UVA. Tony Bennett is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, their defense is always solid. London Parentes is back. Um, incredible, incredible point guard. He, he, I'm sure he'll be first team on ICC by the end of the year. Kyle uh, Guy, I think, looks all right. Yeah, they they just let go of uh, Austin Nichols. Yeah, um, they kicked him off the team. They kicked him off the team, and, and that sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Inside um, alert: sort my sources from UVA said he was misbehaving pretty pretty hard. With, I've, uh, I've heard some stuff. stuff so. I've heard some stuff. So you know, hopefully, I respect Tony Bennett for for taking care of that. Yeah, yeah. you know, best wishes to him moving on. Um, but and. I, if anybody can control that kind of control that story with his team, especially, and can, and can help move the team forward, is Tony Bennett just as much as Coach K. Could. Yeah. The, the one weakness I think UVA has, though, is without uh, Malcolm Brogdon this year, it does they don't it doesn't seem like they have a key scorer, somebody right. they can just go, go throw the ball to. London Prentice is fantastic, one of the best point guards in the country, but he's not a pure scorer. And uh, I I didn't watch the West Virginia game, but when they go against another defensive powerhouse team as you see like they can struggle to score and they can struggle mm-hmm. to win but i don't know if there's too many of those great defenses in the acc so i can see them yeah i watched them play louisville last night and they they really smacked louisville down i mean they uh louisville made it close at the end but they were they were up like 20 points uh with like five minutes to go i mean really just an incredible game and i think it actually speaks to how great of a coach tony bennett is that he kicked nichols off the team when you think about now their one problem is other than Parentes, they don't have a second scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, it speaks volumes to the character of the team that he's building. Um, but they are they are just fundamental basketball through and through. Team I love defense. UVA. Yeah. I mean, if you like watching basketball, if you played growing up, you got to love UVA because it's like they don't want to let anybody score more than like 50 points, you know. Uh, and I think we're like the, the game that we are that we were talking about um, where we went off uh, after uh, that when we had that tough week earlier in the pod. Um, that was like the most we that's been scored on them like in the Tony Bennett era. And that was like 69, 70 points. In 2015? No, like, like in the whole Tony Bennett coaching era. It's like uh, one of the – because they we got like 70 on them they, that game. Nobody gets 70 on them. They, they control the tempo better than anybody in the country. They, they know how to slow the game down and how to play at their own pace, um, and they don't get sped up easily. Yeah. So I, I expect big things out of them this year as always. Agreed. Who's for Four, um, you know, I, I struggled with this one. At four and five, I really struggled with. I was leaning Louisville at first. Um, and, you know, looking back at it, I like Notre Dame. Um, I don't think they have the best team, but they always find a way to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a big, big fan of Matt Farrell, their point guard, um, who really came out of nowhere. I, I saw him play a little bit last year. He got some spot minutes. And it looked like they've kind of handed them the ball this year. He he, really, he pushes the tempo yeah, better a, than he's any He's in the Notre classic Dame. school of... Uh, you know, Pat Conadin, um, Ben Hansborough. Like, there's always even, just even one going back to, to yeah. going back to Chris Thomas. Even like mm-hmm. he, he pushes yeah. the he pushes the ball better than anybody I've seen at Notre Dame in a long time. He watching him, he almost reminds me of Yogi Ferrell from Indiana because he right. he really gets the ball at the hoop. He goes, he's fearless going to the rim. Um, so I, I like Notre Dame. I think Matt they're going to upset too. some people. Sorry to interrupt. Matt Farrell too. His brother was in the military and then came back. Notre Dame released this really sweet video. Uh, if you need to cry a little bit, go check that out. It's great. Uh, but yeah, Notre Dame definitely looks good. Bonzi Colson hooping. And they scare me specifically, like for us, in terms of our schedule. I know we only play them once, they but always they dominate us. us. They Mike Bray always, kills us. Mm-hmm. They always... I, they, they always beat us. They, yeah. Even our national championship year, they beat us two, three times. Is that, that year? because Mike yeah, they Bray beat us in the tournament and 
at, the one, at yeah, their at, place. At their place. We blew them out when they came to see us. But yeah, that game was also a sweet game. game. Oh, yeah, that was Just, the loudest I've ever ju- heard. Game. I think Justice had a dunk. We went up, maybe, I think we went up 10 nothing or something on them, and he had a dunk, and I've never heard Cameron louder. It's, one moment, never heard Cameron louder. Yeah, they, they always make me nervous. They're not, they're not really a good team, but they find ways to win. Um, so so I, I think they'll end up at four. Um, five, I, I'm tossed up between Louisville and Florida State. Okay. Um, Florida State's a really good team. They have a sleeper this year that some people are saying he's a freshman. I'm, I'm looking up his name. Um, some people say he's he's a prototypical NBA player. They're always long and play good D and athletic. But, yeah, this year they seem especially good. Well, they beat Kentucky. I mean, with both Florida State and Louisville, uh, I Florida watched – Florida State beat Kentucky? Louisville. Yeah, Louisville beat Kentucky. Louisville, Louisville Kentucky. Kentucky. And I, which is a huge game for the state of Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so you know they, they came to play then. With both of those teams, I watched both of them last night. There was so much good basketball last night. I'm still getting over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, UCLA, Oregon, uh, Louisville, UVA, North Carolina, Monmouth. Big game for me. <laughs> um, but no, uh, they, they're both teams that are sound defensively, uh, not the most skilled. They're well not they're one of the best shooters, but they're well coached. Um, and they're all they're both super super athletic. Yeah, so I, I'd have to lean I'd have to lean towards Louisville. I think right now just because of Patino. Um, but Jonathan Isaac is a kid I was talking about earlier from Florida State, and, yeah. and he's averaging twelve and seven right now, playing twenty four minutes a game as a freshman. Um, so I mean that those are solid numbers from a freshman. They've got a lot of talent, um, and they're always a talented team, and they're always a grinded out team. They yeah. they came into Cameron and won before. Um, so you never know with them. You never know with them. I'm liking what I see from them so far. Um, so we'll see. Right, but right now I'd have to lean towards Louisville. And then looking at our specifically just upcoming ACC schedule, I think we got uh, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and BC. Any problems there? Um, not. I don't think so. I think we'll take care of business. Um, some people have looked out for Virginia Tech, actually, um, saying that that's going to be a big game for Buzz us. Buzz Williams, good coach. We're going on the road. No, yeah, we're going on the road, and, and I think they had, they've they brought back a lot of experience this year. I haven't seen them play yet, um, but I've heard some rumblings that, so that that could be a game to watch out for for Duke. Yeah, I'll be back uh, for, for Boston College. Um, thought about going back for Georgia Tech, but I want to stay, stay home with my family. Those break games are always tough because – you always watch the games on TV, and when you're a line monitor, you always want to be there, and you want to be in Cameron and be running things. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get back for, for BC. I mean, y- you never know what happens with these early games, and especially Grayson being out. Um, but I, I think something that we didn't really talk as much about is these games are exciting because we get to see Harry develop, which is going to be great. I mean, every game, from even from Tennessee State to Elon, he looked a little better. He'll look a little bit better, I think, in the next three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to see Luke keep going off and continuing that uh, you know, wooden award campaign. Get to see Jason grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he, he in particular... He's better every game. Way better, yeah. And he'll, he'll be going for, for 25, I think, by the end of the year consistently. Yeah. But I also think that he is going to start playing great defense. Great I'm shot blocker. Yeah. yeah. I'm expecting more from him on the perimeter, too. I think early on he's been going to the post a lot just because when you come back, you're not used to the speed and he's using and his size. Yeah, yeah he's, he's using his size to, to score, and I think... He's a good player, and he's a very good player in the perimeter. So I'm expecting him to get a little more comfortable once he gets used to the speed, and then he's going to be able to just take over. So within those those four or five teams that we went through, um, when we play each of those teams, what are the matchups that we're looking at? I was watching North Carolina last night, and I'm 
really interested to see who matches up with Justin Jackson when we play that. I, I think it's going to have to be Jason. I think, I, so I think the length, I think the length of both of those players is going to be really fun to watch. Um, and they're both very good shot blockers. They're both very good, very good at sliding their feet. They're good at getting to the hole. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Um, Justin Jackson right now is a lot more experienced. Sure. Um, but Jason's got more upside. So so we'll see what his development continues to look like. Um, and so that that's kind of the biggest one that I'm looking forward to right now. I think I, I don't know who's going to guard Joel Berry right now. I think it'll probably be probably be Grayson. Not um, Matt. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'd say Matt. Because Matt took Frank Mason right when we played Kansas. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a point. I, I didn't even think about Matt. I'd go with Matt. So I I think Luke is not Luke to me isn't a great on ball defender, but he's a very good defender. He understands spacing. He gets a lot of steals just reading the passing he, lanes. He's smart. He's smart. He has a high basketball IQ. So. It'll be interesting to see who he matches up with. If he guards Britt, maybe. Um, Britt's not the best. I mean, he can shoot, but he's not going to take over a game offensively. So he tries to play off him and get in the passing lane to do whatever. Um, So that's going to be as much a tactical coaching game as as anything in terms of matching up with players, too. It's going to be really fun to watch. I'm excited for this year's matchup between them. I mean, the rivalry is always great. Coach and Roy definitely hate each other, but... This year, I think we're both at full strength, which is something mm-hmm. we haven't seen in our four years necessarily. No, um, you know, in the last four years, when when North Carolina and Duke play, you know who's expected to win yeah. based on how their seasons are going. The, the only mean, the only one that I would think of is the one where we came back and won in overtime at Cameron, um, right? My senior year, championship right, right, right. year, and that and that was, that was the only a fantastic one game. But I was expecting us to win because we yeah won pretty. They they were a good and, uh, team, but they you could see the makings of a good team in there, but they weren't at their best yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is that it's not the game is the game, and what I mean, we beat them uh, over there last year, which mm-hmm. was a great game, and you didn't expect that at all. But it's clear that there's a ta- there's been a talent. Uh, surge, yeah, surge, or like one is clearly better than the other going in. Mm-hmm. That's not true this year. On Definitely. both sides, we're both powerhouse, yeah, titans. Which is which is great ACC basketball. I mean, that's what you know. When we do the holiday special at some point, you know, that's what my dad enjoyed for 15 years was that Duke and Carolina were the best every year, right. and they were equally talented. The ACC is at its best this year. And, well, and one player we haven't mentioned, who we talked about in the season preview a lot, Dennis Smith Jr. Mixtape scouting report looks sick. He's, He's going everything off. we've we expected him to be. He had a sweet dunk yesterday. Uh, John got the highlight video on Instagram and messaged me immediately saying he looks like Russell Westbrook. He does. He's he's crazy. He's going to be a lottery pick. Um, well, I don't know actually because there's a lot of great point guards, athletic point guards this year. But Dennis Smith Jr. is sick. Check him out if you haven't. Uh, so wait. So one more thing I think that that would be fun for our fans to our fans. Mom, Dad, Grammy, my dad, Dean Brenner. <laughs> um, to hear about is so my brother John again, as we've said, an alumni of the school. Um, I work in the basketball office. I got that job through him. He was really involved with the basketball program, specifically Duke Blue Planet, which is something that's very unique to Duke's program. So I think it'd be interesting to hear like a little bit from John about what goes into making those videos, why that uh, aspect of Duke basketball exists at all, like why it's so important to the program. Yeah, and like anything, like inside info you got. Yeah, Duke Blue Planet, it's a a fun gig to do. Um, So I I worked in the office as a work study. Um, In my senior year, I got pulled in to do uh, Duke Blue Planet stuff by Rashid Yasin, who was running Duke Blue Planet at the time. 
um, who was a good friend of mine. He was a former student. We played on the club basketball team together. Um, and he needed some help during the middle of the year when stuff really got crazy. And Coach K was going for, I think, the thousandth when it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so he asked me to come in and, and help him with some stuff. And, and I made a couple of videos and I liked it. And I stayed on the rest of the year. Um, it, it's a really fun gig. So they, they basically, Duke logs like most college basketball teams do. They, they log every single game and then they log every play within every single game. So there's, there's a game film that has markings on this guy got this rebound, this guy turned and ran good and we want to show that in, in tape so we like how he hustled back down he the court. filled the lane and, yeah and or, or he or he out he made the outlet pass and sprinted down the court so let's show that in tape so literally every single movement these guys do is logged so what we would do is we'd go in when we're making these highlight tapes and we're doing anything we get an idea so i the first one i did was a thousandth win so i was just looking for big plays so i wanted dunks and block shots and all these different kinds of things and these game tapes go back for years so we would go back and, and we'd look at different past tapes that were made, and then we'd go into other games. So when we wanted a, a, a game film of Jay Williams, we'd go back and watch some of those games and look for the big plays. So you'd look at the log and you'd see, all right, Jay Williams had a dunk here, or JJ hit a half-court three here, or Elton Brand had a put-back dunk, or Luol Deng did this and that. So it's really fun. You have a, you have a huge archive to work with. Um, and then you just go through and you chop it up. You look, make sure it looks fun. You pick out a good song. You, you just kind of do all different kinds of stuff. Um, and it makes really makes Duke basketball unique. Um, oh, yeah. What's the value added for it? Why do we devote so many resources to it? You know, I think with, with today, uh, hoop mixtape is a big thing. Ball is life is a big thing. Like, the, these basketball players like watching other players. Mm-hmm. They like being in the spotlight. And I think on the social media age, it's fun. Um, so it's a good chance for them to get some experience in front of the camera. Um, to get their name out there, to have people watching their plays, um, so it's it's a huge, huge recruiting uh, recruiting plus for Duke. I saw that, and I, and I know that there are, there there seem to be videos on Duke Blue Planet that are like specifically recruiting focused. Like I remember yeah. one time there was this one video that Justice made that was just him showing everyone All how much gear. gear. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "We got this T-shirt and that, and then this parka and that parka," and I'm just like, "Well, these guys get an insane. Yeah. They yeah. just have the Duke store." But it's like, if I was a recruit, I'd watch that and it's, be like, "Yes, I, I want to go there." It's definitely twofold because a lot of it's for the fans. You you definitely want to invigorate your fan base, your fan base, and have everybody excited to come to the games, have people tune in to watch the games, and to get to know the players on a personal level. Um, but it's also for recruits. So when you see a highlight tape, you a high school player may be looking at that saying, wow, I want that to be me. I want scouts looking at that video. I want fans to look at that video and say, wow, this kid could really play. He should go to the NBA. So it's definitely twofold in that sense where you get the fans excited, but you also get players excited to come to the school and to play yeah. for you. And it speaks volumes that, that Ra, the guy who hired you, didn't he go on to, to work for the Clinton campaign after after Duke Blue Planet? I mean, Rest that's in a, peace. talk about yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Shout out to keeping it sixteen hundred. Yeah. Our, our inspiration for this podcast in many ways. Our, our Big Brother. Yeah, podcast. yeah, exactly. Dan Thanks, Pfeiffer, Favreau. John Favreau, exactly. Um, no, but it really does speak volumes to the fact that uh, that this is a professionalized media operation, and that Definitely. these the for however the Clinton campaign did and, and Duke Blue Planet, I mean, these are two groups that understand the importance of a digital media strategy to two completely Very much. It's, it's, a, it's a communication strategy. It's a marketing strategy. It's a basketball strategy. It's everything all pulled into one. It's really not just somebody going on the computer and making clips and making a YouTube video and picking a funny name to throw it up there. It, it's a very, very professional environment, um, particularly in that office. Um, and it takes a lot of work. So, you know, definitely big ups to those guys. They're doing great things this year. Um, and and they're really continuing to build the brand. 
So they, yeah. they've really, they've really solidified what the quality. brand is of Duke basketball. Mm-hmm. So the other fun thing about John was he had some pretty good inside info with the players. Not inside info. He was friends with the players. <laughs> Something me and Steve are not necessarily. We're not. We would love to be. <laughs> yeah, but every t- every time people ask me, they're like, are you friends with the players? And I'm like, well. Uh, they might know our faces. They know our faces. <laughs> not our names. But, yeah, so uh, especially Justice Winslow, shout out to the man, the kid, the legend. He had, um, he's blowing up. I mean, he's a great NBA player, a lot of potential, um, but also a really interesting dude. He's had some uh, pieces written about him in the Rolling Stone. And I think it's just Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, sorry. No, we had, we had in the, yeah, Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone and Maybe. The Undefeated, yeah. sorry. And The Undefeated, which is an ESPN website, um, just about him and about how he loves art. And in those um, articles, both articles specifically mentioned uh, a house where uh, uh, eight co-eds What kind of house, lived. Jesse? <laughs> uh, not a fraternity house, uh, but just where eight friends live. A house with an artistic out. bent. Artistic bent, quote-unquote. This house where apparently um, inspired justice to love art, and that house was named The Church, which was mentioned specifically in these articles, and that was the house where my big brother lived. And now where Steve and I live. Yeah. So we're continuing the legacy. But you want to, do you want to tell us anything about that? Like wh- why that was so impactful for justice? Uh, you know, it, <laughs> that, that was a funny story. So so Ben Krebs, um, who Shout who out. Was, Serious shout out. Who the was, panda. The, he was the rock uh, of the church. Um, good friend of mine. He he one night came home. And, and the had, church is just the nickname. The for church the is just a nickname for the house. Yeah, Not a real church. No religious affiliation. He, uh, he came Speak home one night. Stuff. He had gone to the Duke Arts Annex with with a friend of his, came back, and he had a giant painting of a panda throwing up a rainbow going through a night. Um, you, can, you can Google panda rainbow night, and, and you'll probably find the picture. Um, it's beautiful. I have it. We'll tweet it out. There's yeah. a picture of me in front of it with our friend, with my friend Eric. It's, it's, it's great. great. So he, he came home with this one night, and he said, guys, we need to hang this up in the living room. And we all looked at him like, no, you're not putting that your stupid picture up. He's like, no, 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 we're going to put this up. So he hung it up directly in the middle of the living room, and the rest of us were just too lazy to ever take it down. And one day, Justice walked in with Derek, Derek Rhodes, uh, who was the head manager who also lived in the house. Shout out. Um, and, and they walked in, and Justice saw it, and I guess just fell in love with the painting. So that was kind of the first time, I guess, he said he found art cool um, and just really got into art. And now he's down in Miami, which has a big art scene. So Huge art scene. So yeah. that's that's really kind of pushed his love of art forward. And would um, you but cons- it all started with Krebs. And is he like, is he going to galleries? Like, is he like, he's really been going to galleries. To that one of the articles mentioned he's working with a private art dealer. I haven't talked to him about too much about it. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's really into art now. And it, and it all started with this panda. And what I think is funny, again, the articles described the young men who lived in the house as artistically bent. Have you ever considered yourself artistically bent? You know, I've, I've, I've thought of myself in a lot of different ways. Artistically bent, I don't think, is one of them. So well, it, was, it was, it was, it was, we, we have t-shirts on the way that have been made with it with that quote um so so thank you to the author of the rolling stone article Throw it on your resume that, that, that that's big time so i would uh, verify you on linkedin as, as <laughs> that's like artistically <laughs> <laughs> endorsed uh, by just the two of us and what i really found funny about that description too is that now that steve and i live in it we have at least like 10 times more paintings yes. and art as we got a lot you guys going did on so so justice if you want to stop by 
we're keeping the tradition alive. It's it's much more artistically bent. No, la- last week last we talked to him, we're trying to get a little reunion of all the guys together. So we'll we'll see. To to be continued on I'll, the artistically I'll make bacon bent crew for everyone. Um, <laughs> well, I actually think it's it's funny because the that paragraph where he first talked about the church is is I've read it probably sixty times now just because it's <laughs> hilarious to me. But it mentioned how um, he he found your house because he was upset with the culture of Duke basketball. And that's something that I actually really identify with of how, like, these guys are just seen as as commodities. As because, we do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, look, we're allowed to love the team. Yeah. And we're, but, like, I think it's a serious point that, like, when you see the guys on campus, you see them uh, hanging out, you know, somewhere in Durham, you know, treat them like people. Um, like I, I don't have, you know, I don't really know the basketball team. They're not really my guys, um, because you know they're people and they have they have likes and dislikes and dreams just like the rest of us. And um, that was a really important part of the article for me that I just think it's important to talk about. For yeah, a little bit. I think one thing that's important is to remember that at the end of the day, yes, these guys are on national TV every night, but they're kids. They're yeah. 18, 19, 20 years old, just like the rest of us in school. Um, and that's why we need to give Grayson a break again for. His temper tantrum. We don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he had a rough finals week. Maybe his girlfriend broke up with him. He's younger than us. So, like, I mean, I could easily lose my cool playing pickup. Yeah. So, you have lost your cool yeah, playing pickup. Them. These guys are just like everybody else. They're just on TV and they play basketball every night. So, yeah. you know, give them a break. Um, don't think of them any differently than everybody else. Um, they're, they're just like the rest of us. Yeah. And if you play basketball with John Reedus in the future, definitely expect to catch a few bows. Cause All of them. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not a lot of tripping, Although, but some some bows. Yeah. The last time we played, your field goal percentage was low, low. so to speak. But low, we'll, we'll have to get back out. <laughs> Steve's getting to work. I, dude, I've been working. Season coming up. All right, so... Let's wrap it up. We went a little bit longer than we expected. That's all right. It's, it's been fun. Uh, round of hot takes. We got two kind of prompts, let's prompts. say. Let's yeah. say that we want to do. Uh, so we'll just make it quick. Prompt one, Steve, throw it out there. So um, in the spirit of Luke Kennard, who has been just super overlooked by the media and is now he's now a National Player of the Year candidate, um, despite that nobody really knew who he was when going into the season, who do you guys think was the most overlooked or underrated player in the past? Uh, you know, I, I I would have to say Rodney. I think I think Rodney his, Rodney, Rodney Hood Rodney Hood. Um, he was there the same. He only played one year at Duke, um, and he was the he was the same year as Jabari Parker, um, and everybody loved Jabari Parker with you know good reason. Jabari Parker was the man. He still is. He's playing great this year from Milwaukee. Um, but Rodney was a very, very good player, and they had, had pretty similar numbers. Yeah, and, and he's still, becoming. And they do in the NBA. He's he's great, and he's 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 developed into an incredible NBA player. Had so a far. huge he's buzzer beater last week. Yeah, so I I would have to go Rodney. I think he didn't get love from the national media right. um, when he should have. Yeah, and just for being a quiet guy from Mississippi, um, for me it's I always like to go a little bit back in time. I'm gonna go with Chris Duhon. Um, so he was a player who was. Definitely well-respected and, and made it to the league for a, a good couple of years there. But he was always surrounded by guys who got more media attention. Um, when he was a freshman, he was on the, that national championship team with Jay Williams and Shane Battier. Then he's around Jay Williams. And as soon as Jay Williams leaves, he gets J.J. Redick. And he's just due to, to kind of live under J.J. Redick and play understudy. Wasn't fair to him. Uh, he had a great buzzer beater against UNC. It's one of the all-time shots. You know, pre-River is probably the best one we've ever had. Um, so, yeah, no, I think Chris Duhon's great in, in that mold. That's dope. All right, I'll, I'll go Nolan Smith. 
Uh, same year as Kyle Singler. Obviously, they're both legends, both loved, both won national championship together in 2010. Uh, Singler was Final Four Player of the Year, but I think, and then maybe preseason Player of the Year the next year, but then Nolan really stole the show. And then also his senior year, Kyrie Irving was a freshman, which who was one of the most hyped players in recent memory. Deservedly one overall so. pick, yeah, dominated. Um, but when he went out, Nolan really took over as he should have as a senior and kept as a strong team. He won ACC Player of the Year there. ACC Player of the Year. So I'll go Nolan. Fun story about me and Nolan Smith real quick. Uh, 2015, the year of National Championship, he was running some promotion through GroupMe. Uh, he tweeted out, hey, if you if you uh, send this message to GroupMe and make this group, I'll join your GroupMe group. So me and my boys from high school all made a GroupMe group together, and Nolan Smith got in there, and he asked us for um, a bunch of memes, and he had a meme contest with us. Uh, and so, somehow some random kid that we had never heard of, um, Isaiah, whoever you are, if you're listening, joined our group because it was public so Nolan Smith could get it. And he won the meme contest, and Nolan Smith followed him on Twitter and left the rest of us hanging. So, Nolan, uh, you're that on is, the list, but, like, come on, Isaiah. That's, that's that is bizarre, up. I yeah. got to say. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. But we had a group meet together, Nolan, in case you're listening. All right, so second and final round. Uh, another thing about Luke is that, like we were talking about, the kid's a badass, right? Like, just doing whatever he wants, and he's, he's totally balling this year. Who's kind of in that mold, like quiet kid, but just like a silent killer, total badass uh, for Duke basketball? All right, I'll start. I'll go, I'm going to go Seth Curry, younger brother of Steph. Uh, quiet dude, um, balled out. But whenever he'd hit a three, he'd kind of like throw up the, the three fingers. What is this? The uh, glasses. The bullseye. Thing. Bullseye, but he'd hold it low and run back, cocky. Something you see his older brother Steph do all the time. Low-key Steph Curry, I think, is one of the cockiest players in the NBA. I got into a fight with my little cousin at Christmas Eve about True story. who was uh, cockier, Steph Curry or LeBron James. I'm going Steph all the way. But, yeah, I'm going to go Seth Curry, uh, the man. Steve? Um, yeah, it's not particularly low-key in the spirit of my own question, um, but I think I'm going to go Gerald Henderson because he did, he did get recruited like pretty highly, but he wasn't like – he was still kind of playing understudy for a little while, and then kind of in the middle of like his sophomore year, he just kind of came out of nowhere, and he was like, I'm the guy. Um, he had a massive dunk against Maryland at Maryland, like one of the all-time Duke dunks for oh, sure. Oh, he was like stomping yeah, as he exactly. went back. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, in I think previous like uh, countdown dunk contests, people have just mimicked that dunk where you just jump straight up, but you just come in as high as you can. Um, he punched Tyler Hansborough in the face. Which is a great dude memory. Deservedly so. Yeah. I mean, well, nobody does. I mean, fuck okay. that guy. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> ethical conversation. But yeah, fuck, fuck Hansborough, and that moment was awesome. Um, and yeah, no, he was he was a badass the whole way. So I, I, you know, I'm gonna go a little under the radar. I'll go Tyler Thornton. Very under the radar. Yeah. Um, I'll take. Haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, t- Tyler wasn't. You know, he wasn't big in the national media like our last question. Um, but he was a very very good defensive player. He had a lot of deflections. Um, he had a lot of steals. He would always get put on the, our, the other team's best guy, very much like Matt Jones does now, no matter what the size is. Um, he was willing to mix it up with anybody. I remember even in the game where we lost to Lehigh, which was a horrible day, um, he was in C.J. McCollum's face. Um, you know, he, he was a guy that was really willing to go at whoever. He was willing to, to play 
not dirty, but willing to, to play hard and to, and to get scrappy with guys no matter what the cost you was. You think about being the silent killer, too. You, was, you had those three threes against Syracuse. You had that big shot against Kansas. Yeah, Tyler was a good player, and he was willing to mix it up with anybody. He didn't back down. And he's a D.C. boy in the spirit of being here. You know, he's not a college high school. Fun fact, his team his senior year was number one in the country. Yeah. So that he was he was always he always had confidence. He was always willing to go up against whoever and, and take them on. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with Tyler. Sad fun fact, Tyler and Josh Hairston, the only senior class at Duke to never hang a banner, if you need a fun fact from Duke. But also in their freshman class was Kyrie Irving, so if he had stuck around, I'm yeah. confident we would have. If he hadn't gotten injured, we would have won that year, so it's like yeah. it's not even really a thing. Yeah. yeah. But in case you needed a fun fact, we know. Love those guys, though. Yeah. Love those guys. Great dudes. All right, so that's about a wrap. We went pretty long. Sorry about that. We had a lot to say. It's winter break. We've been missing it. We've been missing the pod. Yeah, man. It's been like other. ten days without two basketball. Yeah. I'm I'm tired of this. Like, let's. I want to get some fucking games. Yeah. Uh, so as we finish up again, holiday season. Gotta give a big shout out to the rents, the parents, uh, Katie Remedios, Tony Remedios for this sick new mic. We're on the Yeti now. We're official. We're not just recording off. The mic on Garage Band, so it's gonna sound. Hopefully, things are gonna sound a little crisper now. You're gonna enjoy it a little more. Uh, so, if you want to thank them, um, I'm not gonna give you their address or their emails, but you can tweet at Crazy Times again. K R A Z I underscore Times. Check us out. Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. New Year, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating. Just enjoy yourself. You know, if it's cold, bundle up. If it's hot, don't. All right. Uh, anybody got a good knock knock joke? No. Nope. All right. Let's get out of here. Thanks, John, for coming on. Thanks, guys. Any last words? No, thanks for having me. I consider myself a crazy times connoisseur, so glad to be here. Hell yeah. Uh, Bennett usually says we're out. Should we have him call in? Nah. Nah, All right, let's get out of here. Bye, Bennett.